coming up, Matt shoots some hockey, I shoot some amateur athletes. We do have a bit of a talk about this one Polish photographer that goes through Simon Desk Masterclass and Cross Count. Episode 67 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! This is you, Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way since this is a 100% user-funded audio-visual entertainment. Please go to patreon.com slash BLFS, and that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BLFS, and show us how much you love us. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Now, on to news. Matt Cohen. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we like to. So, what, like September? And a part of October, right? Yeah, half of September and half of October. Yeah. What have you been up to? Good and bad. Uh, good and bad. I shot some preseason hockey, which it was good to get back to shooting hockey again. Mm. Um, the In the preseason, they they want different... Uh, they want different pictures than they want during the season, like less game action and more, you know, like singles of guys for hockey cards and... Oh, yeah like reference kind of photos that aren't maybe necessarily connected to action. Like they can be skating up the ice or something, but it's a lot of shooting them in between plays and, uh, you know, like timeouts and whatever. So it was kind of cool to, because the last time I shot hockey, it was just regular season stuff. And now coming back to it and shooting a bunch of preseason games, it was really, uh, it was good to get back into it that way because you don't necessarily have the timing down after not having shot, hockey for five months or six months Mm. so it was good to be able to get the feel of it without blowing a whole bunch of pictures um so that was good i think that happens uh it happens uh with japan uh japanese press as well because uh they have to make these um football and like baseball um magazines before the season starts and they want like these single you know player shots and things like that and that's quite yeah Sorry, go on. No, that's all. Um, and then I, <laughs> I had kind of a bad commercial shoot a couple of weeks ago where my knowledge of horses came into play a little bit where I didn't realize that the horse that I picked to for this shoot was considered by, I guess, people who know about horses to not be a very good-looking horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I wasted about half a day shooting a quote-unquote ugly horse. Um, Poor horse. Yeah, so it's always good to get more information uh, before you go out and shoot so that you don't end up wasting half a day because that was an expensive half a day. Why did they choose that horse then to start with? I don't understand. 
I chose the horse because it was white and stood off against the grass of the you know the background and the sky and yeah. also the product um it would have been better with i guess with a better looking horse even th- if there wasn't as much contrast between the horse and everything else <laughs> even though it's like a non-white horse basically right if i had gone right. with a different one yeah but yeah mm-hmm. so i don't know expensive well, lesson i didn't have to pay, to for, pay it, for it but i didn't get thing. any pictures from it. i didn't no. have to do it ever again yeah oh yeah that sucks the good was that I was involved in a football against racism in Europe project. Um, so I basically shot ball. Is it called Football People Week? Like professional players and amateur players, they come along and just like you know basically say everything against anti discrimination. So anti uh, LGBT. No, no, wait, pro LGBT things, and so basically like using football as a platform to bring people together. So I got to go to Armenia for the first time, went to Bucharest, it's not the first time, Helsinki and Bratislava. But I wrote a little bit on Instagram, but it's really interesting to shoot quite extensively like amateur athletes because we've said it so many times on the podcast and like where, you know, I think we've written about it as well, that the importance really of being able to shoot amateur athletes is that you get to have much better access I mean, you don't get to go into a locker room and they start playing guitar or you don't get to like sit next to them or they're preparing or even when you're shooting, you can basically, if you really want to, you can be on the court and shoot. And those things you never, never, ever get to do at the professional level. So I was kind of reminded of how great it was. But at the same time, what I realized that when you become a professional athlete, most of the things are quite predictable in a way that... You know, when there's a pass towards a player, usually, you know, if it's a professional uh, football player, he knows how to receive the ball and then go to the next action. But it doesn't really happen like that with uh, amateurs. There's a lot of mistakes involved, even just like for passing. If it's like a, you know, a long pass, amateur athletes, they cannot convert those things 100% of the time like professionals do. Just to just like kind of kind of get your bearings around, you cannot like kind of start like kind of predicting what's going to happen next. You're more shooting what's in front of you rather than predicting what's going to happen next. Especially like all the um, celebrations and things like that. It was a disaster. But it was really a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. The bad stuff was... What did I do? It was bad. September. I don't think it really was a bad shoot. No, not really. Maybe I'm just going to have some more in the future. But uh, so far, none. September, October. But that's it though. For news. So we'll... Uh, See you again in a little bit on our next section, which I think we'd be very happy about. In assignment desk, we give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening very carefully or not. Please don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. Just had a look. Some people get it, some people don't, and there's actually like I thought it was gonna be like nine entries, but there's actually only four. And I think, from what I understood from what Matt explained to me, I think one does it very well. I think like two does it if you're just talking about just a whole 3D type of like depth thing. I think Jim does and Reed does, 
and the other is obviously not so much because of the fact that like i think the, the the background is a bit too far off and it doesn't kind of create that 3d feeling to it and that's really my take on the whole thing before we get into a bit more specific things about the the good stuff and the bad stuff of it no I, you know i don't know it's um this is like like I'm talking about the concept of it, not like the actual like if the pictures are good or not. I, I just think it's such you I know? think it's such an important concept, and I think that people. I, first of all, I'm disappointed that fewer people have tried this. Like, you have to do this yourself. You have to kind of push yourself when you go out to shoot, and really, especially if you're not shooting professionally, you should be out there trying these things because you can sit back and listen as we talk to this, and that's fine. Right, but you're gonna learn more if you go out there and try it, and you know everything that went into it. You figured out how you wanted to attack it, and then did it, and then showed it to us, and then got our feedback from it. Like that's the optimal way to to learn as we're doing this. If you're with us, if you're listening along, if you're participating, you should participate in this because this is, you know, training ground is good for like oh, I got this picture, what do you think of it? But this is like we're working on actual skills that you should have. So there should be as many or more entries here than there are there. With that out of the way, Jim did it, but it's just not that interesting of a picture, and I don't like how it's composed at all. But the subject is in focus, and the background is pretty far away, and it's out of po- out of focus, and that's fine. Simon, th- this is not at all what we were looking for because the the things in the background are too close. Like what you want is how far away the crowd is, not where the the manager is and the the guy is sitting down. Plus, it's not an interesting picture, even a little bit. What does that leave us, Alvaro? You know, I this is just not a good picture. Like it, this is like kind of the composition that you would want, but they need to be doing something towards the camera or something more interesting than this. And I guess reads is like the best by default, but it's not very visually pleasing to me, I guess because of the light, but also because the guy in the background is like a little bit too in focus. Like it's fine that you have the, you can see that it's a guy carrying the bike, but it's, you want that blurrier than that. I think, I don't know. Not a whole lot here to really do. Like what you're looking for is, immersive kind of pictures when you shoot and everything is in focus it ends up looking like an iphone picture it looks like it looks on tv or something like that what you're there to do is suck people into the picture make them feel like they were there make them really feel all of it and we only have two dimensions to work with so you have to use you know the physics of it to make it look as three-dimensional as you can so I guess Jim's is the closest to looking 3D, but it's more basic kind of picture. Reads is like composed, but it's a little bit less 3D because the guy in the background is more in focus than he should be. That's really all I have. It's a very kind of, in a in a way, it's like a very difficult concept to basically talk about. What you really want to do is just like have a kind of a healthy distance between the subject. You know what I mean? Like healthy mean like, it when you it's the subject is isolated from the background well from what i understand and what i also believe is that the subject i mean the background also has to be interesting 
or extremely boring so that it um, the, the athletes or whoever is actually doing the action kind of pops out. And that's what you kind of want, like really like that isolation type of feeling. I don't think we're going to run it again in the same matter, but um, if you kind of have like a specific question regarding this, because like Matt said, like this is quite important to do, like kind of like the isolating the subject from the foreground and background and kind of like making it really just there and just kind of pops out at you visually. I do think that the gyms thing actually like like Matt said, like I, I like the, this one actually the best out of all of them. The action... I think it could have been a lot better. It's just not a very interesting moment. But the way it's actually like kind of presented, I really like the way it's actually is presented. You know, read stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's the the guy in the back. If he wasn't there, I think it would have been better. But as a picture as a whole, it's not very very good because if I if I just like you know you can just you can just imagine photoshopping the guy out of the background. Would it actually make it a better picture? In essence, no, it doesn't really. Um, I like the lines in the back and everything as well, but it's um, not a very, I don't know, exciting moment by all means. And, you know, you kind of want to like also, I think we might also do that. I just thought about it. We might do actually like mood things and things like that in the near future because I also do want you, you everyone involved in this to be able to kind of tell a story through your picture. And some of them really is just like, you know, just pure action there's no basically story there's no mood to it. is it happy is it sad even if the guy's not smiling can he actually make it into a very very happy moment even the guy's not very very sad can he make it into a sad moment like just kind of like a mood thing as well just going back to what it was before um yeah i mean you will have to incorporate these type of like kind of isolating the subject thing in the future anyway and we'll talk about it a lot more in Masterclass, which is going to be a bit, next Masterclass, it's going to be uh, quite intertwined with the uh, the cross-counter that we found. So it should be interesting because we've never done this before. And hopefully you guys will be able to do a better job than just having four entries. I mean, come on, four entries? Really? Oh, this is All right, see you guys later. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. While we were searching for a potential for cross-counter, Matt suggested that we actually use a cross-counter to kind of form the Masterclass. And what it is is that we want you to photograph four or more people in any sports setting we don't really care. It's any sports setting, you know, in the air, in the water, on the mat, whatever. But in a way that it's very visually pleasing. And we'll get down to like how visually, like how, how visually pleasing like kind of group picture can possibly be at cross counter. But I will give it to Matt a little bit so you can actually kind of explain a bit more about what we are expecting out of you from a next assignment desk. We go over this all the time. Like the first thing that you try to do when you're shooting sports is isolate the action so you're getting a guy in a ball or a guy in a stick or a guy in a golf club and then you know maybe sometimes you'll wait a little bit longer and you'll get somebody trying to take the ball away from him and you have to go you know go back and look at your pictures and look at how similar everything can look when you're doing that it doesn't even matter with the sport if, if you have a running back who's you know running with the ball or a guy who's dribbling a ball or 
um, you know, basketball or even soccer or whatever. And that's all you're doing, a vertical picture of a guy and then the court or whatever. That just ends up looking very similar all the time. And literally anybody can do that. It's it's not it's not a skill. It's not hard. It's autofocus is built in. The auto exposure is built in. Like all you're doing at that point is just waiting until they get close enough and shooting. So we followed one of the links in the cross counter suggestion thread and came up on a guy who is really a great great photographer like I had never seen this stuff before just now and it's really 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 good and the the thing that this guy is the best at is arranging things in the frame and so a lot of his pictures have tons of people in them the least is like three or four and then going up to a whole synchronized swimming team and what he's good at is you know just shooting he's not there just this is what happened kind of photography or whatever you can see when you look at every single one of his pictures the thought and the care that went into how am i going to compose this where is this person going to be in the frame what's going to be on the edge of this frame how can i mix in different lighting conditions like it's going to be really bright in this part of the frame and then it's going to fall off and be really dark in this frame and meanwhile the how the people are arranged complement all of those things and we'll get to that a little bit more in cross counter in in depth you know to give you kind of examples of that but for now we see a lot of pictures of rugby where everybody's kind of slamming into each other and they're all going after the ball the same with football the line is blocking and the defensive line is trying to get through it or even like a celebration picture where all of the team is when you part of part of this assignment is kind of slowing down something that's happening very fast and that comes from anticipation so you know okay spatially i'm looking through the lens and i see uh these people coming together like they're all moving in a direction that leads me to think that they're coming together at the same point and that point is going to be um, in the in the frame of my camera. You have to try to anticipate those things happening and then watch for the aesthetically pleasing moments because they're not it's not a blob that's moving. It's a bunch of moving parts. And so your added value, what you're there to do is to figure out how, OK, this person has their arms up and this person has their arms down there's a tiny little gap between one person maybe there's a bigger gap between another person and then a smaller one you're like looking for those internal patterns in the picture so it's not just blast away when these people are coming together or whether there's a play or something like that it's really picking your spots and looking for aesthetically pleasing arrangement in the frame this all goes to composition but it's more than that because it's the timing that goes into it also. It's not just where the frame is. It's the timing also because these are moving things. So when you go out to shoot a landscape or something and you're walking around and you're looking at a tree versus a mountain or something like that, those things are going to be still. So your only choices are distance from them, position left and right, and then what lens you're using. But when things are moving like that, all of those things are in play, but you also have to think about how they're moving independently and how they're moving as part of the group. So those are the kind of things to think about, and it all comes from anticipation. So we only had four people participate this last time. I want to see more do it 
when you're out there shooting, keep it in the back of your head. I don't care if you go out and shoot some action pictures first or something, get the feel for the game, get whatever you came there to get out of it, but try this. Look for groups. It could be on the bench. It could be in the crowd. It could be in the middle of the field. It could be in warm-ups. Like, pick a spot and sit on it and try to get that done. We're looking for pictures that show care in their making, not just these are five people. Like the, I want to see these are five people that are arranged in the frame with different backgrounds showing through here and there, things like that. So listen to what I'm saying now. Follow along when we go to Cross Counter. There'll be a link to this guy's pictures that are, these are really fantastic. And I say that so very rarely. Take note of how he's arranging things in the frame because that is added value. Like not that many people can do what this guy is doing, but you can definitely try. You can definitely get better at how you do it. I think it's one of those things like it's like we're not asking you to like arrange that you don't want you're not actually going to go on to the, the, the pitch and say okay you got you stand here you stand there you stand there it has to kind of like happen naturally some of the stuff that he's done obviously he's arranged them okay but some of the stuff is completely unarranged so he's actually just kind of seen it and say okay I'm gonna wait for this particular moment to shoot this thing because it's all nicely set up for me in the frame it's not easy yeah Made by all means is not going to be a very easy assignment desk, but I think it's really well worth it because I think being able to actually create something that everything is arranged to the four or more people that's going to be on your on your inside your frame is going to if it works out it's going to look very 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 cool, and so like what Matt said, you have to kind of sit and wait if there is like a a, a place where you've actually seen on the pitch or on the bench that you kind of like see oh this is actually coming down very very nicely i just want one person to actually be there like walking or something then you just have to wait for that moment so it'll take a lot of patience we'll take obviously a bit of luck as well but for most important you have to kind of see that pattern and right in front of you and say okay this is the kind of stuff that i'm looking for the lines that i'm actually are i'm going to actually put these lines together the people are going to come up over here and this is how it's going to look like I've actually had experiences like waiting for particular moments in uh, whatever football images and things like that, especially like just, you know, kind of like, so I like lines, you know, like lines inside a picture and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Like I've actually like spent probably the entire match like looking for one specific type of kind of combination of like people around and like how they're going to be situated and some it doesn't work at all. So it's not a you know very easy easy thing this is quite high level stuff yeah. i think you'll miss but, you'll miss um, a lot you'll yeah, end up with a ton a of garbage pictures and you have to believe us when we say you have to do that you have to try things that are a little bit beyond the limit of the skills that you have right now because first of all that's the only way that you're going to break out of that box and get any better and second of all it's so satisfying when you try something difficult and you know maybe you fail a little bit and then you get it and then that success will breed more success because you get a little bit of taste of like oh i can't believe i did that and then you move past that into i wow i did it and let me see what else i can try we need to move along that progression a little bit more intently than what we've been seeing recently it's not it's not enough it's really like if you're if you're happy if you're like plateaued and freezing action and um, you know, maybe 
you got a, a nicer lens and you're able to blur out the backgrounds or whatever and you're satisfied with that and you're either have no interest in moving past that or whatever then you need to move past us because that's we're not we're not going to be satisfied with that like we're just going to say okay but what next and that's where we are with a lot of people we really need to move it along that progression so that does it for masterclass and we'll kind of go back and revisit we'll go and go a bit more in depth of uh, the photographer himself and the images and you'll probably get more insight as to what we want you for assignment desk for next month did we make a difference in your life go to patreon.com slash blfs and pledge for us and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs and yeah as much as money as you want please pleasure to us it's time for pledge cues we almost just only had one cue but we only have two you're paying for it might as well ask right I mean you really should because I mean it's like you know you're paying for these things then you should just ask and we will answer them that's what we are there for yeah I mean it can be it can be something like you know you can post a picture and say how do they do this or what lens do you think they were you know things like that like it doesn't have to be just how do I you know how do I do this or what about this gear or whatever it can be um, you know, a picture that you see that you want to know how you can get close to it or why somebody thinks it's good when you think yeah, it's sauce or something way, like that, you know, like anything. You pay for it, you get it, you know? All right. So Tom asks, I'm curious about using ADL, which is active something lighting. I just actually Googled it in high contrast situations. I haven't been able to test it myself after an experienced photographer recommended it to me. Just wondering if you guys have ever used it and is it any use? I have to admit, I just said I had to even Google it. So it probably is off or whatever in my camera. I've never, ever, ever used it. So I can't answer this <laughs> question. It's really bad. I just actually told you guys, ask questions. I cannot ask them. So I hopefully Matt Cohen can <laughs> answer this question. Oh, well, I can answer it. Yeah, I have, I have messed around with it a little bit. It doesn't, first of all, it doesn't work with my workflow as it is. You can use it shooting JPEG or you can use it shooting RAW if you use Nikon software. So you can't, like I, I use Aperture still. So I can't, and I shoot RAW, so I can't use it because it, it just doesn't, Aperture doesn't know how to read it, I think is what it boils down to, but you can use it. It's just, it has its limits, you know, the same principle as HDR. Like if you're shooting a landscape and you have some things that are too light and some things that are too dark, you can use HDR to fix it. But if you're trying to shoot at night, but make it look like it's day or something mm-hmm. like that, it's going to look ridiculous. You know, that, that crazy, like HDR look oh, from God. five years ago or something like that, where everything has a halo around it or whatever. What's the same thing with, the active D lighting it it can definitely kind of compress 
the dynamic range of what you're looking at so that um you know you can maybe avoid a little bit of hot spots or some shadows or something like that but the problem is the more that you need it and the higher you turn it up the less natural it looks so is it like a photoshop so inside the camera is what it for is? me you know hmm. yeah a little bit a little bit it, it you know it brings up the shadows and pulls down the the highlights if you use it on a low setting and you're in a situation where you just need a little bit of help it definitely helps there's no question about it but for me like i when i first learned about it and wanted to try it and then i you know that was on the d3 and then d3s and then you know i thought okay well i'll try it again on d5 because maybe um you know maybe it's a little bit better but it's really uh, for me, like cowboy hats in the noon sun or something is really the worst kind of dynamic range situation that I get. And it doesn't help for that. Like it, you can turn it up and up and up and then it starts to bring out the detail in the face. But then everything just looks fake all around it. And worse than looking fake is the halos that come with it. Like if you look at the pictures really close, you can see where the software is doing what it's doing. And it just ends up looking really bad so it helps in marginal kind of situations where you just need a little bit but it's not it's not magic in any way and personally like my recommendation if if you're if you need it more than a little bit then you should just be shooting raw and fixing the exposure um and the dynamic range in the in software instead of trying to let the camera do it because it's not reliably good enough and the results aren't reliably like natural looking enough to really make it work. So basically the conclusion is don't use it. I, I would, you know, I would mess around in non critical kind of situations and see where the limit is for you. Like if you're, if you're using it at a game, you know, go there and shoot the warm ups and maybe use it like that and then look at the result you know then shoot the game regularly and then go back and look at the results afterwards like in the same place look at the pictures side by side and see you know there's there's different settings there's like a low normal high and then like extra, extra high or something high. like that I, forget. <laughs> I think there might be five four four or five settings or something but you know play with it in in the setting because it could it could just work in the in the situation that you're in it might not be high contrast enough to make it look bad, but you know, you won't know until you try it. I can tell you that I've tried it in exactly one situation, which is, um, you know, trying to deal with shadows from cowboy hats. And it, it just, the, the level of the help that I needed made it look really unnatural. So moving on to another question, this, which I can definitely answer. Uh, Reed is asking, have to shoot some rock climbing both indoors on a climbing wall and outdoors. Any tips? I can answer a little bit because I've not done anything outside. And I've been told by other climbing photographers that uh, I should go and shoot outside. But um, I'm afraid of heights. And I don't want to like go there and climb some fall. And I've talked about it with like other, you know, <laughs> climbers. And it's like, yeah, but you can like... You can like use like smaller lenses, like you know shorter ones, like seventy two hundred. Like, yeah, but what's the point? Like, I want to shoot long, and I want to shoot close, and I cannot do that with like a seventy two hundred. Like, oh, but you can put a teleconverter. Which I said, I actually, it's not a bad idea. Like, I could actually do teleconverter three hundred or something like that to get it done. But I think 
like the look that I want to get. I don't think it's gonna be really possible unless I'm really given like you know two or three assistants gonna hold all my stuff and uh, I'll just like be hanging in a piece of rope. I can't believe people actually do that. And uh, they'll hand me the stuff and I'll just like piss myself and take pictures and I don't think even concentrate doing that. But if you know any indoors, any tips? I think if you can shoot from the side, that's the best because if you shoot from you know the back which means the you know they're climbing and you can only see their back it's probably the least interesting thing um there are patterns obviously and that look does look actually quite cool for a little bit but after a while it's a bit boring it's not that much of a you know i mean there's this is climbing wall and you want to see a bit more action uh you want to see a bit more emotion you want to see a bit more struggle you want to see a bit more uh muscles then you have to kind of go from the side there are some places that i've actually shot that you can shoot from the top and that's also quite interesting as well but um, same thing as actually shooting from behind it does kind of get a bit one-dimensional in the way that you guys are going to be focusing on the face or the hands and that's about it and the background also in most cases is going to be quite crappy as well and also the lighting in indoors is going to be very very shit so you have to kind of like think about what you can do and what you can't do so I would definitely bring a wide angle lens in an occasion. You're going to be able to get really, really close to the um, the climbers. I think it'll be really, really cool. And obviously a long lens with like, you know, f2.8 or even lower. That would be really, really good to just basically be able to kind of isolate the background off your choice. Um, if you only have a 7200, I would just use that. Uh, 2.8 that would actually be able to actually isolate most of the background and then I just try different things it's a sport that is quite young in terms of not that many like people involved at this point and unlike quite mature sports as like football or American football or baseball or all these things there's like basically a lot of people um, are shooting that sport which means a lot of variations like kind of like different kind of takes on these kind of sports there really isn't that much on this so if you want to bring your own view or own kind of vision into the sport i think it's a perfect opportunity to do it just try to be creative um, also be careful because they do fall and you don't want to be anywhere near when they fall because it's a you know even if they're like not very heavy people if they're falling from like you know two three meters up they'll probably kill you and they'll you'll probably get yeah you'll probably injure the uh, the climber as well that's gonna, gonna be very very good so be very careful but um yeah enjoy it i think it's uh i i really love it i'm really enjoying it right now and i'm gonna shoot one uh quite soon again in november and that's gonna be quite cool i think it's important and this isn't something that i have a ton of experience with but you have to like don't get caught in the middle that's why i'm a little bit hesitant about the 7200 shooting that that's fine but if you're too um, far then right 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 so to me the detail the details um you want to be able to get close uh, and if it takes a long lens then you're going to need a long lens to get the footholds and the handholds and the looks on their faces and the powder or whatever um and then on the other side wide so that i think one thing that's lacking in in a lot of this is the the challenge that they're like how how high is it how um you know can you can you get a look from the side that's wide enough that shows how tall the wall is and shows the um the ins and outs of the wall so where they're um 
you know, because it, cause it's three-dimensional, right? It's not just up and down and back and forth. It's the in and out of the wall. Like, you know, they have to go back. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, like it's um, it's textured. So it's not just like straight up. They're not climbing on pegs or whatever. Like sometimes the wall goes, you know, points toward the back and sometimes it ports, points in towards the wall um, to, you know, to get them the appropriate challenge for whatever level it's at. And so you you can shoot wide to show how much the wall goes in and out and how high the wall is off the ground and how high they have to go up. So I would, I would caution against getting caught in the middle where you are not getting details, but you're also not showing exactly how hard it is and you know, the, the setup of the wall. So I would tend to go shoot really, really tight and then shoot really wide. And then, you know, if you see something that's in the middle that works, then you can go for that. But I would, going into it, I would stay out of the middle as much as you possibly could. And there you have it for the listener cues. So if you are a Patreon person who's pledging more than $10 to us every month, you can ask questions and ask them. I mean, if you pay for them, it's really just ask them, you know, like it's, it's like you pay for gym membership. You're not going to the gym type of thing. So ask. Okay. Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with... Crush. Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. So we did talk about... You know what, you know what's funny? We, what we did talk about was really, really bad pictures. And we almost had this be like the reverse cross counter. Which one? It was pretty close. Oh, the iPhone one? Well, we were going to do, yeah, we were going to do Brad Mangin's iPhone. Oh, yeah, you, if you're mode looking pictures. for it, then um, I think it's, if you type in Brad Mangin 2017 iPhone 8, that should get it, right? Uh, you don't even need to do that. Just Brad Mangin portrait mode, yeah, I think. Fucking sucks dick. Gets you there. Oh, That's so bad. Horrible. Um, but on the other hand, this guy's very, very good. Um, his name is Tomas Guzwati, Guzwati, and he is Polish and he is born in the 1970s. He does a lot of photos about, uh, what was it? Let me go to his biography. Um, sports, social issues, and other stuff and wildlife. I really have to, I do have to say, that I like the fact he kind of chooses his own topics and he kind of goes for it and he kind of has his own take on everything that he basically shoots. He shoots basically black and white. You kind of have to like look through it if you don't like black and white, but you kind of have to like see like how, you know, just basically same thing, like how he uses light. But what we actually alluded to before is the whole composition thing. And that's where I think well, it's it also, shines, let's, you know? you know, it's also, it's also worth noting he's shooting black and white the way it should be shot. You know, he's not taking a boring picture and saying, Oh, well, you know, this will be better if I just make it black and white. And then does like, you know, really boring black and white. These are, he's spending time getting these black and white conversions to, to look really good. Like these look as good or better than film does. That's, kind of important too like this isn't we're not advocating just going out there and shooting black and white 
Unless you can make it look like this, right? What we're looking for here is um, composition. I guess we should like I we usually basically pick one and we talk about it, but I think we should just kind of pick the entire uh, his entire work, and especially the sports well, one. I want to use you want to use the yoga thing. Yeah, I want to use an example. Yeah, I want to use an example because so the first one that I clicked on was this yoga picture, and we'll we'll have a link or we'll have a preview of it on the on the blog post for this so that you can find your find it yourself. But so look at this picture. And think about like, I know how I would have shot in this situation. I probably would have had 14 to 24 and tried to do something with the guy who is bouncing on his hands and maybe have the other guy, you know, who's on those pegs, you know, visible also. Because, you know, I want to always get really close to things and make them really prominent in the frame this is something that I work on all the time is like taking a few steps back and trying to figure out like, okay, well let's look at the whole scene. And that's what he's done. And this, this picture is, this doesn't happen like by random chance and how you know that look at the balance between the hand on the wall on the right edge and the, the, the legs on the upper left side. That's those are details that it, you know. Even if you had done the same exact picture, but you had stood in two feet closer or something like that, and so you only had the guy balancing on his hands and the guy on the wall, like it would still be an okay picture because of the scene. Like it's just an interesting scene, and like the way the black and white is, and the texture of the walls and the tones and all of that. Like it would still be an interesting picture, but this guy has gone to the next level because of the composition, because he included that hand which again, isn't just a hand. It's like, you know, really interesting skin tone and the contrast between the nails and the, um, the string he has around his wrist and then the dark skin on the wall. And then up in the top, those, the legs that are like, you know, you would miss those if you weren't really looking for them, you would miss them, but they're there and they perfectly balance out the hand on the other side. And so the guys in the middle, like that's good and everything that they're doing crazy things. But He's done all of the work to make those things just another element in the picture instead of, oh, look, this guy's doing crazy yoga, right? He He's made this a whole picture, not just a this guy's doing something crazy picture. And that is a huge difference. And that's hard to do, very hard. Even like, you know, I miss things like this because I see somebody doing something crazy and I want to jam my 14 to 24 in there as close as I can. It takes like conscious effort for me to back up and say, okay, what more is going on here? How can I incorporate what this guy is doing instead of making that the whole picture? Composition is probably, for me, it's probably the most important thing just because of the fact that um, it really like, even for me, like more than probably lighting it, it makes or really breaks the, the, the entire picture. And he does it really 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 well um like i said before like there are pictures that are obviously staged like but there are obviously ones that are not staged and there are absolutely absolutely beautiful there's one from lucha libra thing i think he staged a bit uh where that the shadows uh of uh you know covering the three guys just really really perfect what we are looking for here just so that you kind of like you know you can look at the entire profile and you can just like you know enjoy it as much as you can but we're looking for is that kind of group shots that he's that he does on the fly of four people or more 
and just look at it. And especially like one for the synchronized swimming one that I think we actually did speak a little bit about that you could definitely, definitely have a look and see how he's doing them. And look at them very, very, very closely, how it's, how it's done, how it's set up, how it kind of like makes sense. Um, and it really is very pleasing to the eye, you know? I think this is one of those things that will be quite interesting for all the all of you t to do because I think this will really like, like we actually did with the other um, assignment desk thing, this will be very, very important for you to become a better photographer, to be able to actually see patterns, to be able to compose things in a very, very pleasing way, uh, especially with multiple people involved. I think that will be very, very good. So enjoy it really this time um enjoy his work and and try to actually do the same thing for you as well and enjoy it trying to really find the patterns in the in this chaos uh where sports is involved you want to add you okay go through these pictures like if you don't care about the non-sports pictures that's fine i would look at all of them because they're some people ask about like style sometime like how do you find your own style look at all these pictures and try to even imagine that one person didn't make all of these pictures you can't even do it you know this guy's style is infused in every single picture that's an accomplishment all by itself and with that we end the 67th episode of big lens fast shutter can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously, Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. Please rate this podcast on iTunes, it's very important. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please go to Patreon.com slash BLFS. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and donate. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next time.